You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's the Noble and Roos Show. Brought to you by BallIsLife.com. Welcome to another episode of the Noble and Roosh Show presented by Ball is Life. I'm your host, Roosh Williams, along with none other than my guy, Zach Noble. Today we are joined by Ethan Skolnick, who covers the Miami Heat uh, for Five Reasons Sports. And uh, we're going to be talking all things Miami Heat. Folks, just so you know, we had some technical difficulty issues um, and we missed the first couple minutes of Ethan. So we're going to jump right in. But from that point, it should all be good. to the bubble because they were so far out of the race so they might have racked up some easy wins and maybe gotten close to the three seed but I still think they were trending the wrong direction so once we got to the playoffs I mean at what point at what moment did you were you like this team has what it takes did you ever reach that moment um you know I the seeding games they were three and five but I thought they they played better than that you know they didn't really try in the last seeding game against Indiana they didn't care about that that result um, I thought that Eric was getting his rotation right. I kind of figured that Goran Dragic was going to be a starter come the playoffs. I had predicted that on five on the floor. I thought that there would be a trust level in him. I think that might have happened whether or not Kendrick Nott had struggled. I think mm. that was Eric's plan all along. I, I, I referred to him as Euro Goran going into the bubble because he's, he's familiar with that kind of environment. And he actually talked about that after that that had played into it. And also Jimmy loves the environment of just basketball. And so you have a bunch of grinders in that environment. And then you had other guys like the Clippers who are not grinders and you see how that played out. So did I think they could go all the way to the finals? I thought they'd be in Indiana. I picked them to beat Milwaukee because I liked the matchup. I did not pick them to beat Boston initially, but the way they beat Milwaukee, I did pick them to beat Boston. So again, it comes down to whether or not we're talking about before the playoffs started or as the playoffs progressed. When I started to like their chances, uh, was the way I saw Hero develop. To me, that was the X factor. I thought Goran would play great in this environment. I knew Jimmy would lock in in this environment. I knew Bam was going to take another another half leap. But to have Hero handling the ball as much as he was and making decisions and his growth gave a totally different element to their team. And so that's when I thought, you know what, they do have a chance. Um, They have a chance if Eric can match the rotations if they can squeeze as much as they possibly can out of the top seven or eight guys. And that's kind of what happened. And the Boston series, look, that all came down to this. They outplayed the Celtics down the stretch of those games. The Celtics outscored them, I think, for the series. But Miami played the plays that mattered. And a lot of that was Tyler Hero on the floor at the end of those games. And so the Tyler Hero breakout to me was the thing that made me believe, okay, they have another elite scorer in the fourth quarter of games to help Jimmy Butler. And once that happened with the trust level that he gained with the coaches, I thought they had a chance. So one thing that stood out to me was just the fact that the Heat seemed interchangeable, right? It seemed like they had a bunch of pieces that could all kind of step up when they needed one, another person to step up or fill in roles when they needed that. How important do you think? I think Jay Crowder, surprisingly, was very instrumental to that whole thing. I have been down on Jay Crowder over the years, specifically because I've seen the Rockets torch him in Utah. Um, I just thought he was always kind of an overrated 3 and D guy, but he looked to come to life and be in perfect form and be in, in a perfect role in Miami. How much of, of their success would you attribute to the addition of Jay Crowder all across the board in terms of ability, play, identity, grit, mm-hmm. that whole thing? And then in addition to that, what do you think that he will be facing in terms of the void of filling his role? I, I don't know if they'll have to. I, I, I think that, you know, they're going to try to work something out with him to stay on a one-year deal. It, you know, he, he lived in Miami before he was acquired. So he want, he said on five on the floor, he told us right after he was acquired, he wants to stay here. So now if somebody throws a three or four-year deal at him at pretty good money, then he might change his mind. But I think all things equal, he wants to stay. 
the reason he was so important, I, I do think he was an overrated three and D guy over the years because he was an overrated three guy. I, I don't yeah. think he was an overrated D guy. <clears throat> I, I, you know, he, he, was, he was a bad three-point shooter most of his career. I mean, below average. He had only shot above 35% one season in his career prior to playing for Miami. So, yes. Yeah, and then he became Jay Allen in Miami, right? So then all of a sudden he's shooting 42% of three. Uh, now, I don't think they changed much about his form. His release was a little quicker. I think it was mostly confidence and Eric telling him to shoot it. He kept telling him to shoot it from even deeper. So I think that, you know, the confidence level, he got on a good run. Now, we did see it crash a little bit in the finals. He started to regress some to the mean, but the balloon stayed up high for a really long time, right? Like it, 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 before it, it came, before gravity finally hit it. And so I, he was instrumental because if you look at it, I don't know that the finals run happens without him because he was the guy that allowed them to, to move Bam to the five and play smaller. And, you know, I, I don't know necessarily with the way that Myers Leonard looked when he got back to the bubble, I don't know that they would have gotten as far. I think Myers was fine as a short minute starter in the regular season. But as other teams started going smaller in the bubble, which I think is something Spolster anticipated, he needed to go smaller too. He needed to go faster. They needed to be able to switch everything. They couldn't switch everything with Myers Leonard. I don't know, I mean, that there was a better fit anywhere than Jay Crowder would have been to be a small ball four, provided with his toughness, with his defense, provided that he was making at least 35% of his threes. And when he was making 42 to 43% of his threes, then you have a guy who was incredibly valuable to them. I, I think Iguodala was valuable, too, in different ways. He calmed them down at various times. He's not the player that he was, particularly when they didn't have Jimmy on the floor. They needed a guy to kind of set their offense and get them under control. So I, I think that Andre's just intelligence, the trust, again, that Spolster had in him, that trade was critical. And that trade, if you look at it, and a lot of Heat fans didn't like it at the time because there was an attachment to Winslow, but it really served so many purposes. Uh, it, it helped them short term. It kept their flexibility for 2021, and it gives them a trade chip in Iguodala if somebody needs to clear out cap space because they've got a team option on him next year. And they now have the fourth most cap space in 2020. Now, it's, it's not a great class, um, and we don't know how big the cap's going to be because of what's happened with COVID and with China and everything else. I mean, the cap was going to get hit because of the China controversy before COVID even became a thing. So now you've got this double effect. But they will have some money to play with and some flexibility. And if they can't keep Jay Crowder, which I think I would give them about a 55% chance, but if they can't keep Jay Crowder, there will be somebody else out there who can fill that role maybe for cheaper. 55 is pretty low in my estimation after that run they just had. And you just think he, Jay realizes it's his last chance to get paid and somebody's going to overpay him? Or what, what yeah, do you think I, yeah, that I, number is? I, I think so. I, I mean, I think guys always go in. We always hear the... I want to stay, I want to stay, I want to stay, right? And, and so oh, we've, heard that, we've heard that from Leonard. We've heard that from Dragic. We've heard that from Derek Jones Jr. We've heard that from Crowder. Okay, but then what happens when, they, when the offer comes, right? Now, in Dragic's case, I don't think he's going anywhere. I, I think he understands they're going to give him the one-year balloon payment. Jimmy's not going to let him leave. Right. I, I, so, <laughs> so, so I, I think he's going to get paid. I think the fact that he played in that series – and came back was proof that he trusts them to take care of him for one year because he could, I, no matter what anybody said, I heard he could have made it worse. And so if, if there's a chance Damn. that you can make it worse and you still play, there's a trust level with the organization. Um, now, as far as Myers goes, I, I think they'd like to have Myers back at, the low, at low money. If he's going to be their third or fourth big, I think he wants to come back. I don't think money is the most important thing to Myers. I think comfort level is. He loves it here. And I think they'd love to have him back. Um, not as a starter, not as a $10 million a year player, but maybe at four or five mil, four or five, six mil, he may be worth, um, you know, having an extra big who you trust. Now, DJJ and Crowder, I don't think you keep both. So I, I think with DJJ, he, if you talk about guys who, whose value really took a hit in the bubble, he's on the short list along with Kendrick Nunn. Um, there was more conversation about Kendrick Nunn. But remember, they, they talked so much about how they, much they valued Derrick Jones Jr. Now, he had COVID, too, but he wasn't affected by it. He came back earlier. He was not really a factor in any way in the playoffs. He had a couple of stints. Eric really didn't trust him. Eric went sooner to, to Solomon Hill than he went to Derrick Jones Jr. Which I, I know. I, I truly think they could have used his energy, though, in the finals just as an experiment. Yeah, I think as an offensive rebounder, as an energy player, they could right. have, but there, there clearly was not a trust level. And no, that's... If, if, if Eric didn't trust him, 
if a team out there, I don't think he's going to get the kind of offers that we were talking about. I heard Cleveland, Chicago, a lot of bad teams are interested in him. Some, some bad team will make him an offer and overpay him because of his youth and his athleticism, expecting him to be something he's not. He, he's yep. not a starting player. He can be a very high-level role player if he's developed in a system like Miami's. I think it'll be a situation where he maybe gets paid for three years, he gets labeled a bust, and he ends up finding his way back to a place like Miami. I, I could see that. But I don't think they sign both. And, and remember, they've got Casey Akpala in, in, you know, ready, okay? He's not I like ready, him. He's I like ready. him. I like him too. And he's confident, and they view him as a guy who's upside as an overall basketball player is higher than Derek Jones Jr. So do you – you know, they traded three draft picks to get him. Do, <laughs> that was wild. Right? Do you – do you? and they, I heard they would have drafted him if Hero was not there in the first round. What? So, that, yeah, that's how much they liked him, okay? So, if you didn't – if you valued him that much, yep. you know, aren't you going to clear a path for him? And, and I think DJJ may be the guy who gets moved that way. So what's, what's the max payment on Crowder in your mind for the Heat? Well, I, I think we have to see the cap. I mean, remember, they can go over to pay these guys. So it's really just Mickey's money. And remember, Mickey's stock is down 70% this year. So <laughs> I don't know that Mickey's going to be quite – although now they're a finals team, and he's always said he would pay for contending teams. So he's probably going to pay for it, but they'll, they'll try to cut some things around the edges. I, I don't – I mean, I don't know, 10 to $12 million for one year? It, can, will that get it done? I, 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 I it's think not so. from, it's not the money. It's it's the years. They're, yes. they're not going to give him multiple years. And if he asks for a player, you know, I'm sure he'll probably say one year at 12 with a player option, and they're going to say no, team option. And that may be where it gets tricky. You know, but at least if it's a team option, they can tell him, hey, Jay, look, you'll get 12 million. You'll get 12 million again. We may trade you that second year, though. Yeah, you know, if if you know if. If you, if you opt into the player option, we're going to trade you. If we have a team option, we might give you the $12 million and we're going to trade you. So he'd get his $24 million, but he might be getting it the second year somewhere else. Do you know what the most they can sign this year in order to still have that max one max slot for next year? It's impossible to know until we know what the max is. We just don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, Greg Sylvander on our, on our podcast has tried to guess at it, but – it's hard to really know. I mean, whatever it is, you know, I've had conversations with Andy. Whatever it is, once they get the number, they've got a plan. They've got a contingency plan. They've got another contingency plan. I mean, that's, that's the thing. And so I think they'll adjust based on kind of what it is. But they are, not, they are going to make sure that they have a max slot in 21. Like that is not going to – whatever the number is, that number is going to be put to the side in a safe place, and you're going to say, we are not going above that number. And if they don't know exactly what the number is, because maybe the, the NBA hasn't gone that far out, they're going to project it a little higher to make sure they've got some wiggle room. But they are not taking themselves out of the room with Giannis, Kawhi, or anybody else in that class. So, Ethan, I wanted to talk about one thing. Um, with teams like Miami that overperform their expectations – um, especially to the extent when you get to the NBA Finals and you're not supposed to or not expected to, um, mm. there comes with that expectations, right? And all of a sudden, everything's different, and especially when you're a young team. I didn't have Miami contending this year. I had them contending down the line after maybe a big trade, getting like a Chris Paul or, you know, throwing a bunch of, throwing a bunch of money at Giannis or something like that, right? I didn't think that this group was ready to get it done and go that far. I was wrong. But now that they've gotten that far, the expectation is to continue – that level of production and, and competition, right? So two questions. One, what do you think that does to the team going forward, right? For example, if they get bounced in the second round next year, how do you, you, know, how do you assess that outlook? And, and number two, one name that hasn't popped up so far since we've been talking, which I'm surprised about, Duncan Robinson. And how important yeah. to Miami's plans do you think Duncan Robinson is? A, he's been one of my favorite young players to watch. His story is awesome. Um, and, and I just love the way he plays and shoots and competes. And comes up in big moments. Well, well let's start with Duncan then. Um, you know, I, I think Duncan went from a player who they viewed as a possible part of their core to somebody that became untouchable to somebody who I think in the playoffs maybe got taken off the untouchable table. Um, I, I think they, they recognize his value, and it's not just when he makes three-point shots. They were the best offensive team in the league when Duncan Robinson was on the floor this year. The best. They had the best offensive rating in the league when Duncan Robinson was on the floor, they were middle of the pack when he wasn't. 
So they recognized his gravity and his value in terms of the space that he creates, particularly for, for Bam and for Jimmy, who don't create that kind of space. So they recognized his value, but they also recognized some limitations that popped up here during the postseason. He has to get, um, he has to improve his reputation as defender. He competes, but the officials give him no benefit of the doubt. And until that happens, he's exploitable defensively. And that made it difficult for Eric to play him down the stretch of some games, particularly if you're going to play Tyler Hero also. It's one, and Doran Dragic. Like it's, it's, you can play one, maybe two. You can't really play three. And that's where they had to play Iguodala or Crowder uh, or even you know, some of their other guys because they had to mix those players in so that they didn't have three exploitable players defensively. Now, I think Tyler's actually going to be an average to above average defender. I think he's got some J.J. Redick in it. He, he, has, he has good instincts. He tends to – he competes, tends to be in the right place. I think he's going to be pretty good, but he's not there yet. Uh, Duncan, I don't know. I don't know if he has the physical tools to do it. And so I think the determination that they're going to make is if they're going for a whale pre-21, if they think they can get a Bradley Beal or a Drew Holiday, who's kind of a mini whale that fits perfectly, or a Kyle Lowry, okay? Somebody like that who, who Jimmy would want, who would make an immediate impact. Do they have to part with Duncan? Because they're not going to part with Hero. They're not. And so for, I think – Not even for Beal? I don't think so. I really don't. I, I, Would I you? Don't, I, here's the thing. As players, yes. But the economics to me don't make sense. You've got, Brad, you've got, you've got uh, Tyler Hero on a cost-controlled contract for the next three years. Bam's going to get an extension soon. Okay? So whenever, whether it's this summer or it's the summer after, depending on how, he, how much he wants to play ball. Having Tyler Hero, uh, who could be a 21-point-a-game scorer, on, you know, who's a clutch player on a, on a, on a cost control deal is incredibly valuable. Now I know how great Bradley Beal is, yep. but is it worth 10 times the price? Uh, it's and tough. and, and I, I don't know that it is. <clears throat> now some of it depends on the second question that you guys asked me about timeline, right? What are expectations? Because I, I don't really think they care what the expectations are outside the building. I don't think they care. I, they thought they were good this year. People didn't, they didn't care. They, there's an expectation inside the building now. The question becomes with the Heat, do you fast forward the process? You know, because, you know, do you say we were this close, okay? And so we, you know, maybe we get a Drew Holiday or, or a Kyle Lowry and we win, and a, and a Serge Ibaka and we win the championship this year. You know, maybe we don't need to wait until 2021 to set up this dynasty. I mean, Pat's going to be 76 soon. You know, Jimmy's 31. Like, you know, maybe you think about it and you say, okay, Bam's timeline is longer. Dragic's is not. Do we try to make the push now? And I think that's the question. I think if they can get a guy like Drew Holiday and not have to give up Tyler Hero, I think they would pull the trigger. You know, would you, you know, the other question becomes, okay, Oladipo's come up, right? I can tell you, Winhorse reported this, I've been recording this for months. Uh, he reported it today, that, that Oladipo likes them more than they like Oladipo, okay? And they weren't really that impressed with the way he conducted himself and not didn't quit on his team, but he didn't seem all there in the first round series against Miami. Like he, he was flirting with them. They don't really see that as a positive, you know? So I think that when they looked at Oladipo, I, I think if, if you can get Oladipo on a one year deal and give up just none, uh, a 20 pick and Olenek or Iguodala, that might be worth doing. But if it's going to take you into 21, you know, beyond that, you don't do it. And so that's the question. Drew Holiday, I, you know, is one of Jimmy's favorite players. He's made that clear. They love Drew Holiday. He's a perfect fit. He's still just 30 because he's been in the league forever, but he came in at 18. But are you comfortable with the $27 million option in 21 if he opts into it? Would you trade him or would you let him eat into your cap space? These are all decisions. They have to decide how close they think they are. I wanted to comment. One thing you mentioned is that they don't care about what the expectations are outside the building. They only care about inside the building. But the reason I asked that question is because that's usually how it goes. But it's a matter of once the narrative is crafted and shaped and, you know, everyone's on Miami side now. But once they become once they come with the expectations and don't fulfill them, things can change. And then that can impact the conversations that go on inside the building, especially around a guy like Jimmy Butler. I think he largely repaired his image. I'm, I'm a huge, huge Jimmy Butler fan. But I could just see a scenario, I guess I was hinting at a scenario where the tide turns and all of a sudden, you know, chatter builds and now Miami has a different problem. But one name that you didn't mention was Chris Paul. 
and you kind of scoffed when I mentioned it, or maybe it was Zach, I don't know, but thoughts on Chris Paul. I feel like Chris Paul could be a, a winning piece. Obviously, he has a monster contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that, that's the problem. I mean, they looked at it, but they looked at it, and I think they would look at it again. But, uh, you know, you're talking Not about $44 million a year from now. Um, I, I think, obviously, look, CP3 outpaced the expectations significantly. Um, obviously, Pat is a huge fan. Obviously, Dwayne is a huge fan. I, I mean, there, there are a lot of reasons why it would make sense. They needed that kind of guy who could make those kind of plays down the stretch for them to help Jimmy out. He would be a great leader to play with the hero, although he does rub some guys the wrong way, kind of like Jimmy does. But I, I, don't, I, I feel like teammates like uh, Jimmy more than they like Chris Paul. So I, there would be some issues there, but I think the Heat would tolerate that. The, the problem is that it's just the money. It, it takes you out of everything. And I, I, don't, think, I, I, I don't think that – He's, he's a huge difference maker. But I, then you're just saying, we're just going for one title. We're just you going for one title. And, and I, I don't think that's the plan. I, I think the plan is Pat wants to leave a legacy here. He wants to leave a dynastic type team that he thought he built before LeBron left and ruined all their team barbecues in 2014, like he talks about. He wanted a generational team. You bring in Chris Paul, you're not getting a generational team. You're taking a, a better shot for the next year or two, but you're not getting a generational team. I think the thing about the expectations is I don't really think the expectation is going to be that great outside the building because nobody believes in this team outside the building still. I, I don't – I mean, the Nets – I was looking at the, the, the Heat were ranked ninth in the power rankings by ESPN. I think they're eighth in Vegas to win the championship. Uh, they're behind the Nets who haven't played a game together yet. I, I, I think people think Boston is better. I think people think as long as Giannis is there, Milwaukee is better. I think there are people – some people who still think Philadelphia is better. It, with the right coach that they're better. I don't, but I think there, there will be some who make a case that Simmons and Embiid should have higher expectations than Butler and Van. I, so I, I don't think they're going to be affected by, I, I don't think that talk is going to exist to the degree that, plus here's the other thing to consider. I don't think there's going to be fans in the stands. And so that changes it because you still operate kind of in the shadows a little bit. Um, if there are fans in the stands, it's not going to be until March and they're still toying with the ideal of, of bubbles again. So, I don't think they have to live up to anybody else's clock. I think they have their own clock. It got accelerated, and I think they'll adjust from there. I agree what you're saying 100%. I don't think anybody still believes in this team either. But at the end of the day, it all depends on how much you believe or the outside person, how much they believe in Duncan, how much they believe in Tyler Hero and Bam. Like, how good can those guys really get? And if that team can be a dynasty for – years to come with that said what do you realistically think those three ceilings are like is Tyler Hero a possible perennial all-star is he an all-NBA type guy top 15 like how good can he get in your opinion and then Bam and Duncan as well um, I think Tyler Hero can can be an all-star I, I wouldn't say perennial all-star but I think he could be somebody who makes all-star teams um, I, I think that he can be uh, there are certain limitations he has physically, but his knack for the game and his uh, confidence are so great that I think it makes up for a lot of it. He just has a natural feel. Um, he, has a, uh, uh, he just has a natural feel. He reads the game extraordinarily well. I thought his, his passing, once he got put more into that pick-and-roll situation, was, was a plus. And, I, you know, that was not supposed to be the case when he was drafted. I think he can be an all-star. Um, is he Ray Allen? You know, that kind of all-star? Maybe not that many years. But I think he can be a guy who makes all-star games. I think that uh, Bam Adebayo, to me, can be a top 10 player in the league. Um, I think he can be one of the top two or three bigs in the league for the next 10 years. I, I think he's the prototype. He needs – everybody talks about his jumper. What Bam needs is more of a this-is-my-team mentality. I think once he develops that, when he's had to take over this year – when there was nobody else to do it, I go back to the Washington game in the regular season, a couple of the games in the postseason. When he's had to do it, he's capable of doing it. Um, I think a face-up jumper that he's confident in will help him. I think a little bit more of a back-to-the-basket game, although I wouldn't go to it too often, will help him. But everything else is there. He's, he's going to be a top-ten player. I, I, don't, I don't think there's – he's 23. I don't think there's any doubt in that. In the modern NBA, he's a top-ten player. Will he get to the level of Anthony Davis? Maybe not. But I think he's going to get close. Um, Duncan Robinson, can he be Clay Thompson? He's not going to be the defender that Clay Thompson mm. is. Uh, but can he be a floor spacer 
a consistent threat. I think he's better than, like, say, a Kyle Korver. I think he's better than, you know, a lot of those kind of just shooter types. I think he has a feel for the game. I, he was pretty good with layups this year. He started figuring out how to use his gravity to get other guys involved with passes. Um, I think he can be – I mean, will he make an all-star team? Probably not. He'll probably be a perennial three-point shootout candidate. But, but I think he's going to be a very valuable player for a long time. I, again, but is he a player you can put on the floor at the end of games to win a championship? You know, that's the level he has to get to, and that's why this was so valuable this postseason. Hmm. I love it, I'm, and I'm not far off. I know you got to get going. Uh, you got a podcast coming up. Roosh, you got any last – statements comments here before we let him go no man just thank you for taking the time um as a rocket fan i'm a huge fan of what miami did uh was strongly pulling for them and i think that i kind of disagree with other teams not or other people not taking them seriously i think that they put the league on notice i think jimmy butler and bam stamped their certifications um and i think guys like hero and duncan robinson did as well so i don't know I, i'm taking them for real i think they're there or a piece away from definitely being there. So we'll see what happens. But thank you, Ethan, for taking the time. We appreciate it. And uh, have a good one, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Ethan, thanks a lot, man. Enjoy it. Have a good one, man. No problem. Thanks for doing it. You just heard Noble and Roosh speaking to Ethan Skolnick of Five Reasons Sports. Let's get into the second half with Noble and Roosh as they break down what potential moves can go down this offseason. So just getting done with a great conversation, Ethan Skolnick of Five Reasons Sports. Um, really enjoyed that um, and our time with him. But uh, he's definitely much higher on this team than the public, I, I feel. I think I've always been a little higher on the Heat than most as well. Um, they definitely are a team, though, that could regress a lot next year, depending on who they bring back and who's healthy and who, like, if these players keep increasing like I think they will, but many – think that it was just kind of a fluky run that they had. Um, do you truly think they were the best team out of the East then? It's just hard to know. I think that the East is so evenly matched in a lot of ways uh, that it's kind of like the it's kind of like the 90s NBA where you had a bunch of good teams that could all beat each other, right? Like the 50-plus win, 55-plus win Jazz could beat the 55-plus Sonics or vice versa, and we saw both outcomes, right? There's just so many stars that, like, I could see Miami not advancing next year. I could see them losing to Boston next year. Uh, if Giannis gets, you know, an extra piece next to him, I can see Milwaukee, you know, I can see Milwaukee taking that, taking that role. Toronto, if they get the right piece, like I just think that every team For is sure. so evenly matched, right? So I guess the it's a long way of saying, can Miami do it again? Yes. Will they? Not necessarily. Does that mean that they've regressed? Not necessarily. It could just mean other teams got better. Is the Eastern Conference becoming the Beast Conference? Is it if I is it finally happening after 10, 20 years of just dread? I don't know. I mean, I've I've kind of been talking about this for a couple of years that, I mean, the East has had all these really good young players, and it's going to hit a point where they're going to surpass the West eventually. I mean, I don't think the West is going backwards at all, but the East, the East is becoming really good, I think. I think it's going to happen. I think we're almost there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I definitely agree. Look, the differences in the West, you're top heavy with, like, the, you know, the top five players, top ten players type thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, Steph, LeBron, AD, Harden. In the East, you pretty much got Giannis. And now maybe you could argue Jimmy Butler, but still on a lower tier, in my opinion. So, yeah, in that regard, like, other than that, though, I, I think the East is competitive as hell. I mean, it's pretty damn good. Boston, Toronto, Milwaukee, Miami, like we discussed, all good. Indiana's a really good team on, like, the lower, you know, like the second tier. Philadelphia is one of those great teams. I would kind of liken them to the Rockets of the mid-2000s. You know, you've got some very, like, superstar players and Ben Simmons and Embiid, same with, like, T-Mac and Yao. They just kind of haven't, you know, hit that groove to figure it all the way out. A little different because the Rockets were hurt, and that's what's Philly, Okay, I thought you were going to go with the Heat and try to – Bring back Olajuwon or something, but you said early 2000s. And- no, 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 no. I'm just saying that the the, the Sixers are that kind of team where, yeah, yeah they're going to be a 4-5 seed. Maybe Injuries seed, matter. Yeah. Right? But they're still talented as hell, and you still got to face a guy like Joel Embiid to get through them. So I think it's competitive. Um, I do think there's a significant drop-off. That's another place where the West wins. 
overall depth, right? Like you can go through the ninth seed in the West and still have a really respectable, tough team. In the East, you're probably going to be dealing with like Orlando, right? So that's kind of the difference. But the East is the East is here. The trick will be how will the passing of the guard go, right? From the LeBrons and, and the older guys to the guys like Jason Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown, whatever, you know, whoever's next up in the East, Giannis, these guys, do they stay in the East? I think will be the, the trick. So what if LeBron's so good for so long, he just skips those guys and just says F them. Like Anthony Davis just doesn't even get his torch because LeBron's good for three or four more years. And by that time, Anthony Davis, his peak is just about over. That'd be freaking wild if he just hijacked it like that. But I don't know. I, I'm I'm believing in this Heat team. Um, it's really interesting, though, their situation, though, as Ethan alluded to. I mean, let's let's play GM a little bit, get into this offseason. So they have some very valuable players um, becoming free agents, okay? You got Linux, the only one with a player option. That's 12 mil. I know they're praying he opts out of that, right? They're praying. They're on their knees right now. I mean, what 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 could they do? I mean, Mickey Harrison, I mean, they got got to have some of that mafia money hidden so Olenek opts out of this to <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I obviously they probably want Olenek to opt out. Is he going to get more than what is he getting like 12 million? Is Just, he going to get more than that if he was to opt out? I do not think so. Um, but Look, man, there could be a taker for Olenek. There could be, look, the Rockets see the Rockets using him. Um, not that I'd want him mm-hmm. on the Rockets, but there, I think there is a team. His three-point percentage the last couple of seasons, I think, has been somewhere like 39 40%. Oh, uh, he's a player everybody wants. Everybody needs and everybody wants. It's just at what price and what capacity. Right. So, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think he's opting in for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with the cap situation, I mean, that's a – it's a good number, but I think it's years, you know, he's, I mean, coming off a decent run, he was valuable in the playoffs again. I'm not, I'm not certain. I mean, 12 mil is enough for him to opt in when he can, I mean, he's healthy. And I mean, in, in this time where threes are just becoming more and more important and you can be not so good on defense and, and scrawny and, <laughs> you know, who's throwing, who's throwing multiple years, with double-digit dollars at Kelly Olenek. Let's see. Um, seems, I'm not saying this is a move that the Utah Jazz would make, but Kelly Olenek seems like an seems like a Jazz, a Jazz player. They need him. I mean, yeah, because he's white. <laughs> he's the classic like stretch four white boy, you know. Um, yeah. But they could use him too. So I could see them doing it. I mean, I could see them throwing three for thirty at him, and they need scoring. I mean, they really do. They feel like anybody can play defense in that system. Somebody, I mean, sure, go with your typical teams that go after his types, the Jazz, the the uh, uh, Dallas Mavericks, the Dallas Mavericks, um, maybe Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, stretch it out, those types. But at the same time, those guys are all trying to clear their cap space and go big fish hunting. So that because 2021 is so loaded, that might help your case of him opting in because nobody wants to get locked in um, with. 2021 coming up here um so there there's a good chance of that but the big thing for me ethan talked about drew holiday he talked about kyle Lowry and these guys that you could upgrade goran dragic over but is it really that much of an upgrade to go more money in years because what the heat are going to do i mean with goran dragic it's going to be a one-year 20 mil deal that's what it's going to be it's 20 years maybe 15 minimum if he's part owner of Big Face Coffee and Jimmy Butler is not going to let him leave, I mean, that's a, that's a no-brainer. I think he brings more valuable at that number at 15 to 20 than Drew Holiday does on his deal, than Chris Paul does at 40 million. I mean, that any other Kyle Lowry, I mean, would be the question mark. I mean, can you bring Kyle Lowry in for uh, 20 mil? And I think that would be an upgrade, but I'm just not sure because of the chemistry is so good. Um, with Goran Dragic and the rest of that team. And I can see Drew Holiday doing wonders on that team, to be quite honest. Is mm. his price high for his production relative to his peers? I think so. But, man, defensively, Jimmy Butler and Drew Holiday on the perimeter, and if they can find a way to replace Jay Crowder or if they can bring him back, I mean, that's a hell of a defensive bam, obviously anchoring the, the backcourt as well. I don't know. Um, what would it take to get 
Drew Holiday is a different question that I don't have the answer to, but I mean, I think if I they think, got, I think it's just simple. Uh, Duncan Robinson and cap filler. Like if they can come up with a cap, Duncan Robinson's enough for it, but it's like, he talked about that. And I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to be that guy there that I, I've been, I've been holding this and thinking it for a while now. I think Duncan Robinson is almost more valuable than like drew holiday. That team, that team is good enough defensively and really good defensively. Like that's what drew holiday brings. Um, but Duncan, I mean, we still, I mean, his ceilings untapped. He's a young dude. And, the value he brings to that team, I think is just as much, if not could be more to come at that price point than drew holiday at what? 30 mil. I mean, it's to me, I, I don't do it if I'm my, I mean, what about you? Yeah, no, I mean, I res- all due respect to Ethan. I think he, in my opinion, undervalued or under it's, it sounded like he didn't value Duncan Robinson as much as I guess you or I do look, the NBA is, is become a three-point shooting league, and you got a guy that's on fire, right? I mean, arguably the best stroke in the league. Again, coming from a Rockets fan, like, it, it is so hard to find those guys at the right time when you need them that the fact that Miami found one and he's, you know, on such a – I don't know what, his, what he's getting paid, but he's on a cheap deal. I think that has tremendous value, you know. Now, what is – 1.6 for this year. Right? 1.6. And what does he shoot from three on the season? Like 40 bajillion percent. Like 40, I mean. 44, 45%, something crazy. Uh, you don't just find those guys, right? Like, and they're extremely valuable. How many big shots did he hit? How many big shots did Harrow hit? Like the two-headed monster of the fact that they could – it was almost like a, you know, like a poor man Steph and Clay just in terms of how they how they could spread the floor yeah. with two different guys and run all this, type, all this different type of action. But, yeah, it, it just depends on what Miami thinks is – the the missing piece is it you know another tough-nosed perimeter defender that can also handle and create and take games over and shoot that's what drew holiday is uh that's what kyle lowry is as well is that what they want or do they need help in the front court like do they go after you know i don't know right Uh, one guy that i that i think could be interesting i mentioned him last time danilo gallinari would be interesting in miami um he would bring Kind of what Olenek brings, except at a much higher level. Yeah. Uh, and if he's willing to win, which is what he said he wants to do, and take less money, it, 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 he would be valuable for less money. If they wanted to pay him big money, I don't think I'd go Danilo. But if he would be willing to go on like a bargain deal or something like that. Another thing to keep in mind, I saw a report. I don't know. I can't speak to the veracity of the report, but uh, I saw that they that the Heat are considering going after Jeremy Grant. Oh, which, I think everybody and their mother wants Jeremy Grant if they can get their hands on the guy. I mean, he's a perfect fit for any team. It's just at what price, you know? Right. Well, but I mean, at the same time, they got Bam, right? So do they want to kind of like duplicate whatever prototype player, you know, like the 6'9", 6'8", yep. whatever? Um, but yeah, I, I guess the point I'm making is that that is an indication if there, if that report has any truth to it that would be an indication to me of the type of direction they're going, right? Maybe they go free agency to address a big, and then maybe they try to make a trade to upgrade in the backcourt, you know? So if you, I mean, like, imagine that team, I think what they, what they're going to miss more than they understand, unless they get a guy like Drew Holiday, I think they're going to miss Jay Crowder. I mean, six foot eight, tough nose defense and he, and he fit the identity of that team, the, the identity that they took on. And he fits that like Jimmy Butler, you know, bulldog profile. And there's no way to put that on a stat sheet. There's no way to quantify that. There's no way to like prove what that is worth. But I think we've both seen enough basketball to know that identity means everything and it's linked to chemistry. And when you remove, uh, you know, a vital piece of that puzzle it's really unpredictable in terms of how, how it's going to play out after that. A guy like Drew Holiday could be a plug-and-play to fix that and then also give you more. Um, I think Kyle Lowry would probably be a little too small to be that like wing defender that Jay Crowder was. Yep. So I, don't, I think they need to find a bargain 3 and D guy, which is always one of the hardest things to do, I think. So the heat more than anybody, um, the cap matters. Like The cap situation is going to be so freaking, I mean – just down to the T, you know, like down to the nuts and bolts of this thing because they think they have such a good shot at getting Giannis. Um, they, they really believe he's 
He, I mean, they're going all in on, and they've made it really well known. They're one of those three to five teams that are making sure every last penny, it doesn't matter. They don't care if he spurns them or not. It's going to happen. With that said, I mean, that's what's making their free agent decisions interesting. It's only one-year deals, really. I mean, that's it, unless they, the cap allows them to um, get a really good bargain deal, like a three-year, 30, like on a really – with for a really good player that they think, I mean, $10 million cheap where he's going to be worth, I mean, 20 plus or so um, just because he's going to be on a contender, like buying, buying low. Uh, That's really what it is. So with the free agents, they got dry Dragic, Myers, um, Solomon Hill, Jay Crowder, Derek Jones, Jr. It's tough to say which of those guys are besides Dragic. I think they're bringing Dragic back for sure. I'm with Ethan. he clarified that hundred percent. Like he's their one guy they're giving a lot of money to. So then the rest of the guys, it's like, it's value deals, one year value deals. And Danilo Gallinari, he stated that he he's willing to do that. He's made a shit ton of money over his career, probably 80 million plus. Um, that would be the dream situation. It's just how low, I mean, is it, will he take 10 mil for a year? That'd be awesome. That'd be a huge bargain for Danilo because he'll get offers. I mean, I bet, 15 million plus on some teams, um, even for multiple years. I, that's my estimation of of him. But Jay Crowder, I mean, is is a strong need for this team. And I think, I mean, that guy's going to want at least 15. And I don't see the Heat giving him it for a one-year deal, don't you? I mean, what, what are the chances they keep any of those guys besides Dragic in your mind? I think it's low unless the market, like we talked about last time, unless the market is low and it's a situation where the amount that Jay Crowder could make is negligible because he's not going to get the length of the deal that he's looking for, right? So, like, let's say it's something where, you know, oh, Jay Crowder's only netting, like, a 1-for-12 deal or a 2-for-20 deal, then maybe he thinks it's worth it to just take 10 and come back to Miami, for example, right? Um, So I think that'll dictate it. I mean, I think he wants to go back to Miami. It's just a matter of, what the market for him is and, and what people are willing to pay. I don't think we're going to have insight into that until, you know, the numbers are set. And then we start seeing the reporting of like, you know, who's flexible, who's willing to do X, Y, Z. Um, I think I forget which holiday brother is in Indiana, but the holiday brother from Indiana could be a nice piece for them. Yeah. Um, if he's available, you know, I don't know. I think he's going to have a pretty decent market, but he might not get double digit money. Right. He might get like, let's say, you know, three years or four years, 30 mil, 32 mil, something like in that kind of range, which I think would be good for him unless I don't know the market, which is totally possible. Um, <laughs> but he, he just seems like a lower tier, a mid lower tier who has now become a mid tier, you know, three and D kind of wing potential. Not that that's all he is, but that's what I could see his, his role being for Miami to replace Jay Crowder. For example, I think Wes Matthews could be a good option. I'm kind of using some of the same Easy names. Deal. No, I mean, uh, when we're talking about these contenders, a lot of them are going to be the same names. Right, exactly. Um, and that's, that's what I was going to say. You know, we're talking about championship teams, so they're going to be going after the same level of talent. Wes Matthews, I think, is, I think he has a player option. I could be wrong about that. Yeah, he does. He's a player option. So, you know, I mean, I think he's getting like two, $2.6 I could see Wes Matthews getting at least a one-year deal worth more than that um, and probably maybe a couple years for like, you know, I don't really know what Wes Matthews' market is now that he's older and, you know, has, has had injury issues in the past. But the point is, could he get more than he's getting in Milwaukee to join a, the team that beat Milwaukee? I think so. Would he fit? I think so. Um, so it just depends on the direction that Miami's looking to go. You know, I don't have, any, I don't have a pulse on like what Miami's thinking and how they're, how they're considering using their assets, you know, in what direction? I truly think if they say no to Dragic, if they, they could choose be, I mean, maybe they know more about his injury history and they're not willing to give him that 15, $20 million one year because they think they can give it to somebody else way better that has a player option. But just think of a guy, um, I don't know, maybe Gordon Hayward's not that happy or, DeMar DeRozan, who they have a player option and under the, like they were, somebody was able to talk to him or that Jimmy had a good relationship with them and try one of those guys out for a year and giving Goran's money to that guy. I, what do you think both those guys are better than Goran Dragic for that team? I do. DeMar DeRozan. I don't know. 
Um, yeah, him and Jimmy together is an ugly. It's it's questionable being neither. I mean, are going to shoot much of the three ball, but I'd almost rather Gordon pay Hayward Danilo. I think Gordon Hayward's also perceived as soft. I don't know how much that would matter, but you know, like is my like what's my that's what I'm saying. What is Miami looking for? I think they're I think they stamped their culture and identity as like we're the tough, almost like the bad boys. Not that yeah. they were like dirty or anything, but like you know they're they're going to grind out every possession, never quit that type of mentality. So who fits that, right? They know Goran fits that. They don't know the other two guys fit that. And they play different positions. So I don't know. Uh, I think a guy, like, if they really – like, I don't think this is possible for Miami. This, this this guy will probably get his best contract to date with a different team. But Fred Van Bleet would be very interesting. Um, yeah, no, I think if he was willing to take a one-year deal, I'd give Fred – I mean, with Miami, because he I had him on my list. I mean, I'd give him 25 mil and – fill the rest in for one year. I just think he brings so much value to that team. Um, and he's, he's an upgrade. I mean, I'd personally rather have Fred in Miami over Drew Holiday, Chris Paul, all of those guys. I mean, if he's 10 to $15 million less. If he's 10 to $15 million less, yes. But isn't Drew getting 27? If Drew's getting 27, then it's no question for me. I'm taking Drew Holiday. But uh, compared to Chris Paul, yeah. But I mean – Look, Ethan had a good point that getting Chris Paul means you're trying to win one championship and not extend the window. I just think that the game today is not conducive to, like, you know, building a dynasty like that unless you really hit it with, like, Golden, like the way Golden State did, right? Um, and the way Boston now has. But I just think the odds of doing that are low, you know? And I don't think Miami's set up like that. Like, their, their horse right now is 31. So he's probably got three years left of being prime. And even at his prime, like he comes to life in the playoffs, you know, like he's not, he's not giving you like 30 a night, for example. Right. So I don't know. I don't know how long their window is and like what they're going to do with their youth. They'll probably lose Goron after this year. You know, Tyler hero will be up for a big deal in a couple years. So I don't know if I would be focused on like the window. Cause people overrate that people, people forget. And that's kind of what I was trying to hint at as well. Asking about the expectations and how they out, out or overperformed is look, dude, one year it, it all looks good and it looks like it's you're set for at least the next three years. You're good to yeah. go rockets in 2018. And then two years later, like it all unraveled and you're stuck wondering how did that happen? So I would go win, uh, win now. I don't, no, I, agree. I don't know the financial implications of it. And I'm sure it's the worst of the bunch because Chris Paul's contract is the biggest, but dude, you put Chris Paul in Miami finals contenders easily in my opinion. No, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I don't like wasting guys' prime, and Miami did it. I mean, with the team they had, it's Jimmy Butler's proven. I mean, while he's healthy, you got to take advantage because I mean, you don't know when he's going to get knocked down again, and he's had it plenty of times in his career already. My thing is, I think you can have three max slots, depending. I but it all depends on how much the cap drops. If they find out in the salary cap that they can go get one more. A twenty-seven, twenty-five million dollar guy plus, um, yeah. Go get Chris. Go get Russell Westbrook or one of those guys. Go get crazy like that, and then try to go get Giannis as well. I just, I think the cap's gonna drop, and I think they're not gonna be able to do that this off season, anyways. Um, but as for dynasty, and if they're really thinking that they've hit on these draft picks. It it all depends on how good you think these players are. So my question to you would be, how good do you think those guys are? Like Ethan basically stated Tyler hero. He thinks is going to be an all-star two, three times or so. Um, Not like any more than that, really just a couple time all-star right now. That's, I think Tyler hero's ceiling is top 15 guy in the league. I think he can get that high, but I think, it's more likely I think he's going to become a top 20 guy. Um, I think he's a pretty good defender, and he's going to only get better. Um, he just plays hard, and especially in a system that preaches defense. Uh, where are you at on Tyler Hero? I think, he's, I think he's good. I think he'll be good. Will he be an all-star? I think he's got potential to be one. I think three times might be a stretch unless he continues to develop. I think he's one of those guys whose game is what it is. He will get better. Everyone gets better. Um, I just can't mm. see Mm. yeah right i mean I'm, I'm even even if you get incrementally better you're still getting better that's what i'm saying how much better will he get i think he'll be like a solid like 18 to 21 point guy you know for a stretch 
and yeah, I mean, like, what could he add to his game that could make him exponentially better? He's not going to be like creating off the dribble. If he if he if he de- develops the ability to create off the dribble like a Luca or something like that, yeah. he'll, he'll be out of this world. I'm assuming that he won't develop that. To your and point, because- though, a lot of people like. Jason Tatum and Ben Simmons, you remember how good they came into that the league and people were just blown away how polished they are. I mean, a big part of it was because they were on such good teams already, so they it made them look so much better and it was easier for them to perform. I mean, it's a lot really similar to Tyler Hero's first season being on a really good team going deep in the playoffs. He actually had that champ, chance to showcase his talents. Um, and then the next two years following, they're like, oh, these guys didn't get much better. But they didn't watch them. They just looked at their numbers and their numbers didn't increase really. Well, what you didn't know is Jason Tatum actually did improve as a playmaker, became a really good defender. He's actually became an all NBA type defender that close. Ben Simmons, be- what you didn't look at is his percentages around the rim came so much better and he became an all even though he really Ben Simmons came into the league all defense. So that sort of situation where you said it yourself incrementally better, but there's plenty of guys that don't get, I mean, they have their one shining moment and go backwards. Well, the thing is, so the guys you just listed, fill them in for me. What uh, Jason Tatum, who was the other one, Ben Simmons. So the guys you listed had the ability, like they play on the ball, right? Uh, they played directly on the ball. Whereas Tyler Hero plays off ball, right? So that's kind of why I'm saying that guys that play off the ball, like that is their game. Um, they don't become a different player. Like Clay Thompson, he doesn't – like you go look at his numbers, he's just been on a steady run, right? You watch him play, he gets better at maybe hitting more clutch shots, but he doesn't like – he hasn't added – he's not, you know, crossing people up, ball handling. He's just 3 and D at a very, very elite level that can create in different ways. But Tyler Hero is kind of like that, right? Not saying he's got the defensive prowess of Clay Thompson, but he moves off the ball. He's effective off the ball. You have to account for him off the ball. Can Tyler Hero create with the ball? Yes. He's got some nice moves. He can hit some nice mid-range shots. But is Tyler Hero, you know, creating and distributing? And is he going to be like a seven or eight assist kind of guy? I don't think so. So that's what I'm saying. Guys that eat off the ball, they do that at a high level consistently, repeatedly, and they don't really have much drop-off. J.J. Redick, for example. They don't really have much drop off. They're just consistently like good. Um, whereas guys like Jason Tatum or guys like, you know, Luca, James Harden when he was younger, whatever, when they have that ability to do it all, that's when you're looking for like that leap and that leap. So that's what I'm saying. I, I think Harrow's going to be solid across the board. And, you know, in a couple of years, you're going to know what you're getting with Tyler Harrow for the next five years. Whereas with guys like Tatum or whoever else, you might be, you know, expecting them to hit all-time status so uh one thing i will say is uh i don't think at least at this moment in time i i would not bet money on bam becoming a top 10 player and you could next year i thought that was ambitious so let's run through the top 10 to see like where he would even what level he'd have to hit to fit that list so list them off all right so and they they don't have to be in order we don't have to argue about the order let's just get all right cool all right so as of this year, LeBron, Kawhi, Harden, AD, Giannis, Jimmy Butler, six, Nikola Jokic, Luka, Jason Tatum, and Dame. There's your 10. Okay, and that's not including KD and Steph. Oh, yeah. yeah. No no way is Bam top 10 next season. No way. Unless, unless so the just- only the only guy he could pass, I mean, here's the thing. Somebody always gets injured, okay? So somebody always gets injured, and that's where you take your leap and jump in there. But none of those guys are going backwards in my estimation. So that's the first step. None of those players are old enough really to go backwards besides LeBron. I mean, he's the oldest guy there, and he's not going that far backwards, even if he did. He ain't going out of the top ten. So then it's whose team? Like, are they going to not get there because of team success? Dame, I mean, was close this year. He was borderline this year because of, I mean, not being able to lift up his teammates and make them better around him. So that's what it comes down to. I mean, I don't see anybody else maybe passing Joker, maybe Joker. I mean, I mean, look, I'll say this. uh, My statement saying no way is factoring in health. Obviously, people get hurt. Anything can happen, but as far as health goes. So we got the 10 we listed. 
That doesn't count KD and Steph, so that's 12. That doesn't count uh, Joel Embiid. So yeah. That's 13. Uh, it doesn't count. Did you say Jason Tatum? Yeah, Jason was in my top 10 right now. I will tell you this. I have Bam 17 overall right now. Devin Booker? Devin Booker. So Watch out Bam, Bam, I think, can get in the top 15. I think, I think he for sure gets in the top 15 next year. I really do. Let me ask you this. Do you have him top 15 before the playoffs? Bam? Mm-hmm. No, he didn't. I mean, he didn't go too much far, farther backwards. Um, I probably, I might, eh, no, I probably had him right around this range for most of the year after the all-star break. So I would say before the play, I just think he increased his stock in the playoffs. I feel like before the playoffs, you know, top 20, you could argue top 30, you know, yeah. de- depending on what you value, right? Because then you're getting into an argument with guys like anywhere from Rudy Gobert to, you know, whatever. We start throwing names in Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Bradley Beal. You know yep. what I mean? Is Bam better than those guys? I can't definitively say that right now, personally. I mean, the n- numbers-wise, definitely not. He has not earned the clout, numbers-wise, to be in that tier of talent, in my opinion. He has proven that he can be – He's you not know. Siakam yet, even, and I Siakam oh. was top ten for me a lot of the year. He really was. Um, he's not, not Luca. We didn't mention Luca. He's not Luca. No, Luca was number eight for me. Oh, sorry. We Here mentioned. Um, I mean, you can argue Porzingis. You know, Porzingis is coming. I, I, it's crazy how good this league is. This league, it's insane. Like the ta- like. There's so many guys that, I mean, can crack the top 15, top 10 that have that potential. It's do they actually lift their team? Do they actually get that much better? And it's like uh, people, what they don't understand is how good this league is. So when they say a guy like, oh, Bradley Beal averaged 30 points per game. Oh, he's top 10, of course. He's top 10. No, you big dumbass. Like, there's way more than points per game. Like you put Bam on the Washington Wizards this year, he averages twenty plus. Like get the hell out of here, Jimmy well, Butler. But, but with a guy like Bam who hasn't done it yet, like yeah, but you have to see it happen, right? Oh, I, for I, sure. I, I can't just jump Bam over guys that have like because there's guys that are in shitty situations, right? I'm not even ready to say Bam's better than Carl Anthony Towns. Right. Like it's, it's close. Yeah. It's close. Like, and I, and I accept either way. Obviously, I'm as big of a cat guy as there is, but like Bam just translates to winning. Um, he's a really intelligent player and he could win defensive player of the year any minute now. Like that's, yeah. that's saying something. But just because I say a guy's ceiling is doesn't mean the percentage lies that way. Like I, I think his ceiling right now. Like there's some people to say he is an unlimited ceiling. No, his ceiling's top seven player in the league. I think that's his absolute peak right now. But I think there's only like after like going through these players, like it makes me think there's only like a thirty percent chance he ever gets there. I won't disagree with that. Uh, also, I was gonna say Chris Paul. Like, dude, you put Bam on the Thunder. What are they now? Is that an is that a fair way to assess and evaluate that question? No, it's biased. But I mean, Chris Paul. I think I love I love put prefacing it that way I really do like if this player is in this situation like the best players should be able to be the best in any situation I truly believe that well that's what I'm saying so like you put Bam on the Thunder what are the Thunder are they the five seed that almost advanced against the Rockets I don't think so whatsoever mm-hmm. right like I don't know man you guys, exchange guys play, Bam and Steven Adams guys play different roles though well if you if you put Bam on that team for Steven Adams then totally different question but I'm just saying who's better Bam or CP like look a guy a guy like CP carries a different burden a guy like Bradley Beal carries a different burden oh for sure you know what I mean Bam can be an all-star level role player not saying he's a role player but he can shift between being the all-star they need and being like the defensive plug they need like you know he can he can kind of glide around and play different roles whereas if Chris Paul doesn't lead that team they're kind of screwed you get what I'm saying yeah so a couple other free agent targets I want to mention for the heat um Davis Bertans Serge Ibaka and Marcus Morris I think those three are guys like 
that would be upgrades over like a Jay Crowder, be upgrades over a Myers Leonard, and be just phenomenal pickups for him. You said Bertans, Morris, and um, Serge Ibaka. I think he would be ideal. Serge Ibaka would be ideal. He's gonna. It just depends on if they can get them or who they're willing to pay for. Is Serge? I don't think Serge is a free agent. Is he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, unrestricted free agent. He might have a little player option, but I don't think he does. I think he's just straight up unrestricted. I can tell you right now. Yeah, find out, please. Um, Marcus Morris would be great because he'd probably be cheap. And Serge is the dream for the Rockets. I know you're salivating over there. Absolutely, and I mean just for the fun of reuniting, you know, Russ James and Serge. Oh, I've I wanted that all year. I wanted them to trade for him. Look, we need to reunite Russ James and Serge, and then the Nets are going to have a horrible season, hopefully. And KD says, you know what? Let's get the boys back together. And he comes to Houston, and then it's, and then it's on. That's a different discussion. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, Marcus Morris would pretty much give them what Jay Crowder gave them, except I think he'd give them slightly less effective perimeter defense, although still, I think, very effective perimeter defense for, for, the, for playing the four. And then much better, much, much improved three-point shooting. Um, All right. From, yep. Unrestricted. Unrestricted. Okay. Yeah. Ibaka would be awesome, but but again, Ibaka kind of duplicates what Bam does. Like, do they need both of them? No, he can. You could throw Ibaka anywhere you want. You can put Ibaka in the corner now. I mean, the way he well, shoots the three. Of course, he shoots the three. But I'm just saying, like, they're athletic, long, big men yeah. that can rotate and switch, protect the rim. Obviously, Ibaka extends all the way out to three, but is that added benefit of the three enough to like, I'm just saying, is that where you want to allocate your, re- your resources? I guess if they're going after Jeremy Grant though. Then I yeah. truly believe the heat are just going after the best names they can uh, to just improve their roster. They know what they they've done off death. So it's literally the best players they can at each position. Um, Cause Bam can play the four. I think I truly believe he can play the four if needy. I mean, he can guard almost threes. It's close. Some threes he can guard. Uh, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. I mean, they have their three starters and then Goran Dragic for sure if they bring him back. And I mean, the only way they wouldn't bring him back is if they went and got Kyle Lowry or Drew Holiday. Uh, last thing, I mean, wrap up on this. Do you trade the only trade target they have that's even actual, that's legit, that's worth it, in my estimation right now as we speak, is Bradley Beal. And the only way they're getting Bradley Beal, in my estimation, is Tyler Hero. Do you do that? Ethan Ethan Skolnick says he does not. Does it handicap them from getting Giannis? No, let's say it doesn't handicap them, no. But it might, I mean... But as of right now, let's say if it doesn't handicap them, if they can have three maxes. If they, okay, if it doesn't handicap them and they're looking at the prospect of potentially having Bradley Beal and then Giannis and who who would be the third max between Bam and Jimmy? No, it'd be Giannis. I mean, Bam's still got a, another year or so. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. By the time they get Giannis, isn't Bam due? Yeah, good point. Yeah, he'll be due that following year so. Uh, yeah, that's that's true. It'd be probably letting Bam walk. Reconstruct the question, um, and then I guess you know what, dude. You could you could be you could. Here's live. the thing. Don't think about it. Then right now, it just do you trade this team as is? Like, yes, it could jeopardize getting Giannis. You'd have to do salary gymnastics in order to get Giannis. But do you go after Bradley Beal right now for Tyler Hero? Um, I just don't think Giannis is a guarantee. So what you do have, does Bradley Beal get you over the hump? That's the question. Is he good enough to get you there? And I think they're very close with him. I I wouldn't fault him either way because I think Tyler Hero at $1 million next year is almost a no-brainer over Bradley Beal. It's just, it's a toss-up though, how good Bradley Beal is. And you put him, Jimmy, and Bam together. Bam taking another leap and Duncan, whew. God damn, I think that's a contender. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking straight swap, Tyler Hero for Bradley Beal, uh, I yes, of course, why not? I mean, you get all-star level scoring from all angles. You don't drop off in terms of three-point shooting. Um, it's just a matter of if Bradley Beal can stay healthy and how he fits. 
Um, but does he get him over the hump? That's a tough question. Cause like, I mean, like we've talked about, like if they swap straight up hero for Bradley Beal, I think the heat would have a claim to being the most talented team in the East to the other question we were talking about. Uh, if you got to pick between Bam and Giannis, I think you could pick Giannis and lose Bam and still be totally okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so would you unite Giannis, Jimmy Butler and Bradley Beal? That sounds like a hell of a trio. Um, if you have the resources to have the right role players next to them. But that's what it comes down to a lot of the times, right? When you trade for those big contract guys, the constraint is now on the margins, right? Yeah. You, win, you win championships at the margins. It's those, it's those Markeith Morris, you know, getting hot from three games, the Rondo games, like that's what KCP going off and sealing the, sealing the deal. That's what wins you championships and you need the right players for those roles. So it really just becomes a matter of like, yeah, you can, you can be top heavy with talent, but can you round out the rest of the roster and does a contract as big as Bradley Beals and as big as whatever Giannis is going to get um, or whatever Van would get if he was due, you know, do you still have the financial flexibility and ability to fill in the right roles? On that note, we'll we'll call it we'll call it a bar. On that note, so tweet at us, let us know your thoughts on what you do with the Miami Heat offseason because they're one of the most interesting teams to look at. Um, please, I mean, we're just getting started here. This is episode what seven. Rate, review, subscribe. We need to spread the word and get this out there. Um, we're everywhere on Ball is Life, but uh, we're coming, people, and we need you. Yep, yep. Thank you for listening, and we will be back soon with another team looking at the offseason.